Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us and joining us today on the TJ Mall Leadership Podcast. We always talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. But every once in a while, we get to hang out with um, people that mean a lot to me. I get, I've got to look in on their lives and see them live the gospel and share the gospel and uh, and just be who they are. Today, we have a unique opportunity. Joey, I've known Joey for from a distance for 11 years. We did an event together um, 11 years ago, and it was a wild game supper. And uh, his last name is Gotcha. Goche. You got it, Goche. All right. So Joey Goche, you're from? Little town in Louis- southeast Louisiana called Covington. Just Covington, a, just Louisiana. Just across the big lake from New Orleans. Awesome. So we met a few years ago. And Joey was speaking at an event about um, just about the gospel and how to live out the gospel and how to respond to the gospel in everyday life. And, uh, and he's a part of a ministry called Revelation Outdoors. And what I wanted to do today is just spend, spend a few minutes with Joey hearing about his life a little bit, his ministry, and, and really kind of giving you guys even a recap of, um, of his ministry as a whole and what he's doing uh, for the kingdom of God. So, uh, man, tell me a little bit just about your life, a snapshot of who Joey Goche is. So 54 years old, lived in Southeast Louisiana my whole life. Um, when you live in Southeast Louisiana, you fish and you hunt, period. Right? Is that close to where the um, the guys with the, the gators, the gator guys? Yeah, some of those, okay. yeah, some of those <laughs> cool. guys are pretty close cool. to cool. me. They're all not more than an hour in a, in a radius in That's a circle. Awesome. So, um, but you know, grew up fishing, hunting, just like you do when you're raised in South Louisiana. Um, three daughters, an amazing, amazing wife, um, who when we talk later tonight, it's it's a story. It Really, my story is the story of what God can do through the faithfulness of one woman. Wow. And that's, that, that's really where I was to where I am now has nothing to do with me mm. at all. Um, it was faithfulness, obedience, like Ruth, mm. uh, just the, the faithfulness and obedience, uh, to God's word of one woman who I really think she was just praying for me to find Jesus to where I'd be a nicer, better husband. Yeah. I don't think she saw me being on the TJ Malden po- podcast <laughs> <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um, but, but revelation outdoors really just spawned from me finding and hearing the voice of our creator uh, through my love of chasing greenheads and flooded timber. Yeah. So for our listeners who aren't acquainted with duck hunting, mm-hmm. a greenhead, when you say chasing greenheads through flooded timber, give us a picture for those, um, for those non-hunting brothers and sisters out there. Yeah. So, you know, it's greenheads and mallard. It's yeah. kind of the the trophy, I guess, if you will, when you got a strap full of greenheads, you know, you look like you're the... The man. Yeah, you're the man. You're just doing it. You're the man. Awesome. Um, and in flooded timber, it's just when the woods, when the rivers overflow their banks every year during the winter, gotcha. um, those mallards will find new water to get acorns and 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 uh, 
you know, invertebrates and stuff like that. And it's just an amazing experience to see that God created an animal that can navigate treetops at about 40 miles an hour and land in a specific spot. It's, it only points to one thing. A perfect designer. Perfect designer. Perfect designer. Without flaw. So, so you and your wife have been married how long? 30 years coming up in April. So 30 years in April. Mm-hmm. At, at what point of the journey, um, and I would love to hear a little bit about your faith, your faith journey, the story mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. Um, I, I said this to you earlier when we were talking um, about you speaking at our wild game supper at our church. People hear stuff from the pastor all the time, the preacher guy. But to hear a guy who who works an everyday job, which your job isn't necessarily the everyday job. You got right. a, a cool job, but... Um, the everyday job, wife, three kids, like you're, you're moving through life as a man navigating culture and life. You're not the preacher, but you interfaced with God in such a way to where you were so persuaded by the gospel that you wanted to live that out in your everyday life and then bring as many men to faith and, and to see men lead their families. Explain that journey in the context, if you can, of your marriage and what that mm-hmm. was like to, were you an unbeliever, an agnostic? Um, where were you at with this believing wife? So uh, when we were married, my wife was saved. I wasn't. Okay. Um, she was still relatively, I would say, immature in her walk Gotcha. Um, with Christ, but she knew Jesus as her Savior, gotcha. right? Um, you have to understand in South Louisiana, you have... Catholics and you have Methodist and there's Baptist and there's Mormon and there's there's all of these religions. Sure. Religions. And I struggled for 40 years to go which one is right. Mm, yeah. Because one tells you all the things that you have to do and don't do to avoid going to hell that day. Right. And go to heaven. The other says just be really nice to people and buy their coffee in line. And the other says this, and I'm like, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Sure. What I didn't realize is that man made religion is all wrong. Yeah. All of it. Um and so I, I fought that for a long time. It wasn't an agnostic thing. I knew there was a God, didn't know his name, right? Because I wasn't raised in a what I would say is a Christian home. Sure. Um, we weren't atheists or anything like that, but when it came to knowing each member of my family, having a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus as their savior, um, being able to tell somebody else about their salvation through the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, that like, that wasn't us. Gotcha. Um, I joke and say that we, you know, we went to Chris, we went to church on Christmas and Easter. So we were CEOs Christmas and Easter only. Um, (laughs) But, but that was the extent of kind of, I just, I, I didn't want anything to do with religion. And it's because the same people that were pointing their finger at me, telling me, you need to be in church. That's the same people I'd see in the bar room on Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. night. Yeah. Getting lit up. So so really the whole context of religion, like that man-made structure of religion in the church house, a list of rules for you and and those who listen, they would grab a hold of this. They hear this often. It's about relationship over religion. So what was the moment? Did you see it lived in your life? Like not necessarily the prizing of religion or the the affirmation of a certain religion, but Jesus Christ and him crucified, kind of the way Paul says in the New Testament, right? Like I want to preach yeah. Christ and him crucified. Right. So at what point of the journey, your wife, you said the faithfulness of your wife, mm-hmm. did she have this like an experience with Jesus in such a way that she just started praying for you and, or 
give just give me a snapshot yeah, of that. So I, I think she was always praying for me. Like I said, I think she was just praying for me to be a be nicer good. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be be what reli- be what a lot of churches think that a Christian man should be, and that's be a nice guy. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how that, it's that's, presented often. Be, be that's quiet. why men, men are bored with church. Right. Yeah. That dutiful. Be quiet and just be nice. That is not the life that Jesus lived. That's right. Number one. But for what hit. So we. I have three daughters. Right. And this was this was back in twenty, gosh, twenty ten. Now, uh, my wife was going through the Awana verses with my daughters. Um, and I would go by the table and get a beer out of the refrigerator because football was on and this was duck season and that's what dudes do, right? You drink beer and watch football and scratch and all kind of <laughs> other stuff, right? Um, but she, I heard a voice or I heard a verse that she was reading. And to this day, I still think I was catfished because <laughs> the verse was First Peter 3, basically says, wives, if your husbands don't obey the word, they may be one with one W O N one without a word when they see your just and pure conduct. Yeah. I still haven't ever found that in an Awana program. <laughs> so that's the first yeah. time I was going to, she but, was like, we're going over church material, man. Yeah, But what happened yeah. is times before that, um, when she would do that, I would go behind her back and tell my kids that your mother's a liar. Mm. And all those stories that she's telling you, don't don't be dumb. Like don't don't believe what she's telling you. My wife would go to Bible study, and I'd make fun of her. Mm. And so for uh, you, you know, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. for you, religion, for you to ascribe to religion, it was because you weren't smart enough or strong enough to navigate life intellectually or socially on your own. Correct. You thought it was a crutch. Correct. Okay. Um, and, and so. Uh, Honestly, TJ, for the early part of my marriage, and I'm glad that my kids don't remember this, but I was the persecutor of my family. Mm. That was me. Um, And so, but this time when I walked by the table and I heard that verse, my wife said she doesn't remember saying it, but I, it happened. Um, (laughs) uh, This time in, I, I, it's like I heard God telling me, hey, I created and called you to be the spiritual leader of this house in this home, in this family, and you suck mm. badly, <laughs> badly. Yeah. At this time, our pastor was was coming to the place where my, my wife and my mother-in-law work. It's a big career college, lots of classrooms, and they would do Bible study there. Um, my wife and my mother-in-law were at the beach. She said, would you go let Pastor Greg in for study? I'm like, sure, no problem. So, you know, it's 10, it's 10 minutes there, it's 20 minutes back, and you're like, why is it longer going back? Because you got to stop and get beer on the way home because football's on, right? Yeah. So I said, well, I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to hear what this dude's tell. I'm not going to go home and then five minutes later turn around and come back because study's only 45 minutes. Um, and for the first time, I heard the gospel. You know, in Galatians, Paul says, oh, you, you've heard another gospel that's not really another one at all. That's right. Um, there's only one. Yeah. And I heard it. I heard the difference between religion and relationship. I heard that one tells you all the things that you have to do. The other tells you everything that's been done. One, one banks on human, human achievement. The other is on divine accomplishment. One is salvation. One is probation. What do Absolutely. you want? Yeah. Mm. I'd never heard that before. And the thing, so you asked me, it's a you know, long way to answer the question. No, I love it. Come on. Um, what was it that flipped? is when I when I started, I, I thought I understood the cross, right? Because, yeah, you hear about the cross on Easter, and then you go to, everybody gets dressed up and go to church, and then you get 
baskets of candy and Easter bunnies, right? No, 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 no. God does crazy things in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Things that, I mean, we know his ways are above our ways, but there's so many things that he does that it just defies, like, I, I, I wouldn't think to do things like that. Sure. Like the whole world with the flood. Right. And then the biggest one is your own son on a cross. Yeah. And what I would envision is, like, what does that even what does that even look like? Because um, I would envision one of my kids on a cross and carrying her cross through the street and being abused and beaten and spit on for sins that weren't hers, Yeah. right? And then she carries her cross, and with her last dying breath, she looks down at me and says, Daddy, why have you abandoned me? Mm. And gives her life. Nobody took her life. Nobody took Jesus' life. He gave his life. And I'm like... I've been focusing on the wrong thing. Mm. Like, you, you guys are talking about do this, don't do that, wear this, don't wear that, drink this, walk this way, talk this way, eat this way. No, I'm talking about something completely different, dude. Yeah. We're on a completely different level here. Yeah. And so I gave my life to Christ uh, December 11th of 2010, about 9.30 in the morning, leaning up next to a big cypress tree. And I just said, I have nothing to give you. I understand how much you love me, though. And mm. that... You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I have nothing to give you but my life, but I promise you that I'll spend my life, the rest of my life, honoring and glorifying you to the best of my abilities. And so I had my revelation outdoors, and that's where the name of the ministry came from. And one of my prayers was, hey, let me use my love of waterfowling to speak to other guys. Because the assumption is, right, is that you, you feel like men have been, a crass way of saying it, that there's a whole generation of men that have been neutered by the church, right? Like the masculinity aspect of the church, the masculinity aspect of who God called you to be as a man. We want you to stay quiet. We want you to stay good. And Jesus died to not make you good. He died to make you free. And now right. you're experiencing freedom, and you want men to walk in that. Yes. So you're experiencing yes. that beside a cypress tree in the middle of the woods, and your response is not only I'm going to follow Jesus, but now I've got to let everybody else know that I've embraced not a religion, but I've embraced the person and work of Jesus Christ yeah. in the middle of the woods. I saw the designer. I surrendered to his plan. Yeah, and so what you just said is that the church has a, a wrong view of what masculinity looks like, I would say I would go a step further. The church has a wrong view of what Jesus was like. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I mean, we get the stained glass washed, you know, whitewashed. He never, you know, had dirty feet or dirty robes or anything. Man, when you understand the personality, the personality of our Savior, that he got tired, he was hungry, he bled, he thirsted. Uh, Jesus never laughed. Are you kidding me? I mean, oh, read yeah, the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is full. If you know what you're looking for, the gospel is full of just the personality of Christ. Why are you and I friends? It's because our personalities. Yeah. Right? I, I love the way, I think it's Eugene Peterson that says that in the Gospels, the most interesting most interesting thing about Christ in the Gospels that people overlook the most is his sarcasm with the church. Yes. Like his sarcasm, like the, the yeah. play on words that he used, what would have been play on words and jokes almost in Jewish culture to expose the cynical religious Pharisees that were standing around yeah. him. 
Even the and, woman uh, at the well, right? Yeah, He's like, yeah. go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. Yeah, He's I knew like, that. Yeah, you got five. Of them. Yeah, right. I mean, it did. And But I love this, too, that he used, and, and in that moment— what most people would have said, oh, he's, man, he's casting shame. Like, she was like, tell me more. That's right. And that's the difference. I think that's, that's right. the difference. That's the kind of Jesus that wins the heart, right? And not the performance. Yeah. The Jesus that says, I'm going to expose your sin and draw you in, that's rather right. than I'm going to expose your sin because I like to make you feel bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the church. we. The, so many churches that people have grown up in is this idea that, like, I can, I can shame you into right living. Mm-hmm. rather than I can show you a right relationship. Well, what does Paul say in Galatians? He says, watch that you don't devour each other, lest you become devoured. I mean, mm-hmm. he's talking about like religious cancel culture, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to throw rocks at you because I'm more religious than you, because guess what? There's a dude behind me that's even more religious than me. Sure. It's going yeah. to eat itself. That's right. That's his point. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good stuff. That's good. So it, it drives you. You're at this point in your life where you're you're standing there. You surrender to Christ, and you're you're work your full time job mm-hmm. and full time dad. Yep. Full time husband. Tell me. I would love to know just a snapshot of how it changed your relationship with your wife and your relationship to your daughters. Yeah. So the relationship that you and your wife had previous to your surrender to Christ, and then how it's began to shape your parenting. And we'll get to Revelation yeah. Outdoors in yeah. a few minutes, but I'm, yeah. I mean, this is just too rich to pass up. So I want to know yeah. how it shifted the way that you pursued or loved your wife and the way that you loved your daughters. So with my wife, I'm not going to sit here and tell you or tell your listeners that, hey, come to Christ, everything is easy everything, you won't have arguments with your wife anymore, your kids are going to listen to you, that ain't ever going to happen, by the way. Especially Um, if they're teenagers. Right? Yeah, exactly. So so ever. Yeah, Yeah. you'll find out. Um, So really, it here's the thing. Before I came to Christ, the nature of my wife and I's relationship was one trying to fulfill the needs of the other, Mm. Right. And that's just not sustainable. Um, I think Francis Chan used the analogy like if we're scuba diving and my my wife and I are sharing an air tank and, you know, she's got the regulator and I'm trying to pull it out of her mouth and, you know, then I'm taking the air too long. And it's just we we can't – we're trying to fulfill something in each other that there's only one person that can do that. That's good. There's only one person that can restore all right, everything else can kind of fill for a little bit and, you know, you'll consume it and then you, then you need it again. And you like, that's what I don't like about religion is there's people that base their whole lives. We go to church on Sunday, we go to church on Wednesday, uh, by Thursday, Friday, I'm good. And all of a sudden I feel wretched again. I feel like I lost my salvation. I need to go back and get another fix. They become religious junkies. Sure. Um, They're chasing the spiritual high rather than a daily relationship with Christ. Ex- that's exactly right. Yeah. And so... Um, the things that my wife and I used to, I guess, argue about or not, they're just not, they're not important, man. Mm. Like I, I know that she loves somebody more than me and I'm good with that, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and we still have our issues. I mean, we're, we're in a sinful, fallen, broken world. You're, you're gonna have issues. Sure. Um, but the things that, just would get spun up from zero to a hundred. Mm. It's just we don't we argue, but they're not they're not big. You know, we've got 
we know our vision. We know that if we follow Christ, like we say we follow Christ, like we're just visiting. This is temporary. Yeah. Right. Like we're ambassadors. That means we belong to someplace else. Um, and there's so much bigger fish to fry. People that are dying every day that have no idea where they're going. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. I said it not long ago. I said either we we don't believe God is who he says he is and people are going where he said they're going or either we don't care. Mm. Like as the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. E- either either we don't really believe that God and that's is that's the church. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the church. Like either we don't believe God is who he said he is that he's as good and faithful and kind and wrathful and full of justice and mighty as he says he is. And that people are really going to either spend an eternity with him yeah. or an eternity separated from either we don't believe that as a church, the whole, I'm not talking Baptist mm-hmm. method, whatever, right. the church as a whole, global church, or we either don't believe it or we don't care. Right. Because the church would be motivated. This relationship that you're talking about, if people could see it and grab it and that's what they experienced, they'd be sharing it. Every opportunity they get. So it, you're right, there's this awareness and weightiness and this terror really of this if you don't have a relationship with Christ, like like you're missing something. Right. And I love the way you said this, and to circle back to the the parent, the the husband and wife relationship, the way I've said it often is everything changes when you realize that that the purpose of marriage in your life as a believer is sanctification. Like God wants to use you in each other's lives to make you more like Christ, not to complete one another. Right. Because we bought the lie, the the uh, Jerry Maguire lie. You complete me, right? Like we we right. we bought it as a side. So everybody's looking for that person that they can stand there and say, "You complete me." It's like, no, no, like they're not. You're gonna or help you're, me help you. You're gonna <laughs> figure that out, like when you don't put your socks in the laundry basket or whenever, whatever it is, you know. You've been looking at my ring cameras at home, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. That moment <laughs> yeah. where you realize, okay, and I think, man, that we could do a whole podcast just on marriage based off the stuff you're giving us, right? right? Because so many marriages in. Because when they get to that moment where they realize their their husband or their wife does not complete them, what then? And if the relationship is not there with Christ, there's a void. Yeah. There's nothing. So contentment, bitterness, right? Resentment, because that person's not meeting your all needs. All the fruits of the flesh. All of the fruits of the flesh. You're right. And so your relationship with Christ, really what you're telling me is you took each other off the throne of your marriage and you put Christ on the throne. So in those moments where you have deficiencies or your sinful behavior affects your wife or she has deficiencies and her sinful behavior affects you, both of you have someone to run back to that's going to bring you together and yeah. not pull you apart. Yeah. Someone I mean, who completes you, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not looking for her to tell me it's okay. She's not looking for yeah. me to, you know, tell her it's, oh, it's going to... Like, she she gets that from her, from her father. And, yeah. and, you know, you're talking about kids. I've got three daughters, and what I want them to see in me and what what does it look like to have a godly husband? Mm. Because that is, like, all three of my daughters love Jesus. Mm. And I don't settle. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't, don't settle. You know, have standards that that's number one. I, I remember, like, Anytime they would bring home a new boyfriend, right? And they were like, oh, my, you're going to have to have the talk with your dad. And they're like, well, your dad looks crazy. Like, he, he is. <laughs> um, and, and I would tell them, like, don't, don't worry about my standards. If you meet her heavenly father's standards and treat 
her like her heavenly father expect because I can't be with you there all the time. I mm. can't be with you on your dates, but he is. That's good. And if you meet his standards, you will far exceed anything, any of the do's or don'ts that I can give you. That's good, dude. And it's just knowing that they are gravitating towards picking spouses or or like that's a number like that's checkbox number one. Yeah. Right? Um man, I, I can leave here knowing that, that fulfill checkbox number one I checked. Yeah. And when you say checkbox number one, you're saying if you're if you see your daughters marry a man who prizes Christ more than he prizes her. That's right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right. I think parents need to hear that because we live in a world and somehow we turned our outdoor podcast into yeah, a marriage and family right. and I'm loving it, man. <laughs> Whatever the Lord wants. Because here's the deal. I think so many times, you know, they look for the doctor, the lawyer, the security, mm. the who who's going to bring you in. And I'm not just, I'm, I have tons of doctors and lawyer friends. I love you guys. But, mm-hmm. you know, moms and dads often look at, okay, what's the most secure relationship with my daughter rather than what's the most holy relationship with that's my right. daughter. And, you know, that that's that's not often in our culture, in our generation, that's not often the the direction that the daughters or sons even are like, like, you know, there there's a standard and the standard usually isn't holiness. Right. Right. Um, it's finances or security or looks or family history or whatever it is that parents are hoping for their children, but it's usually not holiness. Right. And so it's awesome to hear that. And, and I think it's a great encouragement for those parents that are out there saying, man, I, I want so much more for my kids than I had. Uh, well, the number one thing that you can give them and hope someone else give them, gives them is a patterned relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone yeah. who's living close and clean with him and leading them well. Yeah. I mean, Paul said it in Ephesians, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah. Right. And what does that look like? Well, you can go back and see Christ said he loves the church as God the Father loved him. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Completely. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. So now, you're, so your relationship with Jesus, um, you were turned off by the church. Yep. I guess that's a simple way of saying it. Yep. Um, you're turned off by the church, didn't like religion. You come into this, this saving relationship. Did it change? Uh, you told, you've told us how it changed your, your relationship with your wife. You told us how it leads your relationship with your daughters. I got two more things that I, I wasn't originally planning, but I want to hear it now that we've gone down this mm-hmm. road. Your relationship with your buddies hmm. and your work environment, mm-hmm. okay? Your workspace, the people who were close to you in a professional setting mm-hmm. and your buddies. Because maybe you were, but I, I guess most times when you were bailing on Bible study with your wife and grabbing the 30-pack of beer or whatever, two cases or whatever you were doing. You're getting close. You were, Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're, you were headed back to not drink those alone. Maybe you were sometimes, but sometimes, I imagine there were other guys around. If I could, I would. Right, right. So, But <laughs> those buddies that were in that circle, how did, how did your coming into a relationship with Jesus and the gospel grabbing a hold of your heart and beginning to shape a new life for you? Because scripture says, and this has been true, I've heard your testimony before, and this is why, <laughs> this is why I love it, and I love this conversation. It's a beautiful picture, a wonderful picture of, behold, all things are new, right? So the old things have passed away, behold, all things are new. So now you have a new marriage. You've already told us about the new marriage. You have a new parenting relationship with your daughters, a new process of the way that you even view their futures and their lives. So now tell us about your buddies. Okay. That's what I mean. Cause I think a lot of guys are on the fringe of, man, I feel like God might be doing something in my heart, but like I'm going to lose them. 
I could lose them. All right, and I'm going to so be what, honest. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. Go you might. It. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So what you just said is, behold, God is making all things new. What he did not say is, I'm making all new things. Mm. Okay? So it's funny because a lot of the guys that I used to run with, um, initially, they, you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't have the friends that I used to have. And that's, that's fine. But a lot of the guys that I used to run with are now coming around. Behold, I make all things new. Yeah. And now they're starting to, hey, man, Goche's got something that, like, maybe we, we want some of that. And, you know, I, I didn't make the mistake of going and telling them, hey, I'm saved now, you're all going to hell, which yeah. that, that's not an effective witnessing Thank tool. God. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't put that in a track because it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but they are seeing through, I mean, that is part of, like, James's point, faith without works is dead. It's not saying that your, your, your faith is gone. Um, it means that you're, how do you justify yourself to your fellow man? Because mm-hmm. I can't see TJ's heart, but I see his works, and I know what's in there through his works. My friends, the guys that I used to run with, are, you know, they're, they're come because they're getting older and a little wiser, sure. right? Um, I think they're starting to come around now and, you know, they're starting to like some of the things that we post and maybe have a couple of questions and, and maybe even come to, to Bible study on Sunday. Um, stuff like that. I, I think in that, it's funny you mentioned that verse that behold, um, I'm making all things new. He's, he's not, he has given me new friends, but he's also taken those ones that I used to run with and, I think restoring and renewing their hearts through their seeing just, yeah, I mean, I'm not faking it, yeah. but I'm, I'm not willing to go back to that place that I was in. If you guys are still there, I love you, yeah, but I'm not going to be there. Yeah. I'm not going to be there. It's interesting how time does that. Oh, yeah. like, the, like a track record of, I remember a story, and I, I told this not long ago, I, when I came to faith in high school, it was 10th grade, and I had a friend that was like, if you're after this Jesus thing, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we didn't talk for two years. And our senior, it was two weeks before I graduated, and he came up. He said, hey, man. And uh, I said, what's up? He was like, man, I, we hadn't talked in like two years. And I was like, I noticed, bro. You know, like it was very yeah. clear. He's like, I thought it was fake. He's like, just be honest. He was like, but I think whatever you have is real. And that was a moment for me. God let me, in that moment, I was... I've carried that story with me because I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's just living it. It's not, it's not preaching the sermon. It's not leading for me, leading the song of worship or, or, you know, it's those grandiose things. It really is the daily Christian living and the daily Christian dying to Christ. Like that daily waking up every day and saying, you know what, like in my job, in my parenting, in my coaching, like whatever it is, I'm just going to pursue this relationship with Jesus and he's going to bring people into my life that I can affect. And some of those people that are in my life when I start following may not be. But they'll look. They'll they'll watch. We say it all the time. They may not like the picture on Instagram, but they're watching the story. Yeah. Right. And I think the most important thing is they don't they don't learn so much from your successes mm. as they learn how you handle failures. Yeah. Because so many people are waiting. Oh yeah, there's Joey and TJ. You know, big Christian guy. Watch that. You know, just yeah. waiting for you to slip. I fail Jesus daily. Yeah. Multiple times daily. But I think what, what people learn is how you handle that failure mm. and how you repent of that failure, the changing of your mind about that failure, and you pick up the pieces and you go on. Um, 
and you don't pretend like grace is a license to go do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think they yeah. learn more from seeing you fall down and learning and seeing how you get up. Grace is, I love, I love that you say that. I tell people all the time, grace is that idea that when you come to Christ, he loves you right where you are, but loves you too much to leave you there. But then it's like this. I heard Donald, a great quote from Donald Miller. He said this. He said, I'm 55 years old and I still spill water occasionally at the dinner table. He was like, but when I was three years old, I threw my food and I spilled every glass of water at the dinner table. And he said, now don't get me wrong. He was like, I still spill water from time to time. But if I still threw my food and spilled my water, there would be a problem. Yeah. There would be something wrong. That's awesome. And he said, that's the story. That's the picture, the idea of grace. Grace should not lead to lawlessness or uh, it should not lead to lawlessness. It should always lead to maturity. Mm-hmm. So it's leading you away from the things that have left you broken. It's leading you away from the things that are destructive. It's leading you away from the wounds that even we put on our own hearts. It's leading us away from that, not into not feeling bad about doing those things. Yeah. So that's good, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean that that leads me to my life my my life verse is Galatians 5:17 mm. because it says the flesh is opposed to the spirit the spirit is opposed to the flesh these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things, things that you, that you want, want to do. To do. That's and what that's, I I think it's interesting it says the want to do too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the spirit is keeping you from doing the things that the flesh wants you to do and the flesh is keeping you from doing the things that the spirit wants you to do. And so for me that's the sanctification process. Yeah. That's every day. That doesn't go away. And guess what? As we as we grow in grace and knowledge and truth, and do you think that our enemy just goes, Oh, well, he's too I'll go folks? Mm. No. No. No, that gets ramped up. It gets ratcheted up. And so I know before I was saved, there was no struggle when I would do or say something stupid. Mm. Right. Today, when I do or say something stupid, I feel it. Yeah. And I feel it because there's that opposition, and there's the opposition because there's the flesh that's always going to be there, and then there's the spirit that is there battling the flesh. Guess what was missing when I didn't feel anything? The spirit. spirit and the yeah. spirit was missing because I wasn't saved. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I go out and do stupid things so I can feel guilty and know that the spirit's there, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, right. But I, what I am saying is what we would feel as uh, guilt or shame mm-hmm. or that is... That is the Spirit making intercessions on your behalf to battle the flesh, to keep you from doing the things that the flesh wants you to do. Absolutely. I love circling back to what you said earlier, because I think it's a, a point, and in, in if people have listened to this at all, they've heard us say and talk about that when we follow Christ, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? Like there's difficult days. And in that verse that you're talking about in Galatians, he said, those who are of the Spirit have crucified. Like this is the this is the idea for me of the difficulty of the Christian life, because it's not easy at times. Mm -hmm. Those who are of the Spirit have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So it is, there is this, man, it's not easy. Like, I've never crucified anything, like, naturally, right? But the process of crucifixion, the goriness, the brokenness, the, the horrid moment of it, it's the same thing that we're called to as Christians. Like, my flesh and who I was, like, spiritually, man, I'm nailing that thing back to the cross every day of my of my life, right? Like, we have to so that it doesn't overtake the Spirit. Yeah. And um, Well, I think you're touching on why a lot of men don't engage. Mm. It's because um, they think that maybe following Jesus is, eh, it's kind of for sissies or... You know, real men, 
you know, I'll fix it, rub some dirt on it, and you know, I don't, sure. I don't need help. I'm not broken. I'm not. Well, there's a reason why he said, "Pick up your cross daily yeah. and follow me." And used in the context of those times, we're sitting here talking about crucifixion. I can't say it either. Um, <laughs> we're talking about crucifixion, and we're ready to move on to. No, dude. Yeah. In those days, that was something completely different. Yeah. Um, if you if you decide you want to find out how much of a man you really are, you think following Christ makes you less of a man. Mm. You want to find out how much of a man you really are. Pick up your cross every day and follow it and That's carry right. it, and That's then right. tell me because it's it was it's the most worthwhile decision I've ever made in my life. But it's the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah, it's the idea that that following Jesus, and, and and I think that is the problem with religion, because following Jesus, like religion as a whole, right? We we've reduced God to a thirty minute to an hour Sunday God, mm. and most of that's filled with someone talking and singing. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the masculine aspects, even of a worship service, like all right, I can listen to someone talk and then we sing together, but what is there beyond a service? Or what more does this religion have to offer? Well, there, I mean, we, we hang out with kids and we love on kids and we nurture kids through Sunday school, discipleship, those type things. And then we, we preach and we sing. But what more do we have to offer? And I, that's why I love that you lead with Jesus because Jesus is what we have to offer. And a life with him is difficult. It's rugged. It's daring, right? It's challenging. It takes you into difficult places, loving difficult people. And that's usually yourself included, you know? Oh. Hundred yeah. percent, but yeah, lead with Jesus. Jesus is in the middle, and Jesus is at, at the, the end. end. He's yeah. the only thing that matters. Yeah, that's right. I mean, your God, our God, can be this microphone or this desk, or somebody else can, you know, their God can be whatever, and that's fine. But when you start talking, when you start talking about Jesus of Nazareth, mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, well, I believe in God. What's his name? If his name is not Jesus of Nazareth, you are deficient. I'm that's sorry, right. no, I didn't right. write the book. That's good. That's good. That's good. So that whole, the, the way that you love Jesus, the, the person of Jesus, the work that he did in your life, the transformation that he's accomplishing in your life, that led you to launch mm-hmm. Revelation Outdoors. Yeah. And so the whole reason you're in Tifton, hanging out with us, yeah. getting to hang out, God opened a platform for you uh, in, in the duck hunting community, but then beyond that. So tell us just a little bit about Revelation Outdoors and how Jesus transformed your life in such a way that you wanted to take that into one of your other passions in life. Yeah. So uh, I guess it was um, the fact that he used something that, I was, that I'm just passionate about. Yeah. I mean, when you see 40, 50, 60 mowers break down through the trees and land on the water in front, that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Um, but using that, and I see scripture when I'm out there. Mm. I mean, there are so many that that's my wife bought me a camouflage Bible. My first Bible was camouflage. Why do you think she did that? Told me there was stories about hunting and fishing in there. I said, no, she goes, oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm going cover to cover and finding them. Um, It's because hunting, fishing, being outdoors. I mean, Romans 120 talks about it, right? You have no excuse. Yeah. I mean, Everything, it, it says the invisible things of God are clearly seen. Let that sink in. Invisible things are clearly seen by everything that he has created that's around you. Absolutely. It's like people say, oh, how can you look at a sunset light or a sunrise like that and say there's no God? Uh, you can't. 
Well, Romans one twenty says you can't. Yeah. Um, and so my thought was, there's got to be other dudes just as shallow as me that you know mm. see this and go, oh yeah, that's awesome. And you know they, but they don't take the time to know that God created that for a reason, mm. because His heart is your heart. We we're, we we are created in the image of God. He loves the things that we love. And why do you think that is? Because he's drawing us to him. Mm. And I think there are so many guys that will either sit in a deer stand, sit in the turkey woods, go duck hunting, whatever, that see it, but it's like a flash in the pan. They don't know why it's there. And so I wanted to bring the truth of the gospel to those people without it being churchy or convicting or religious or the things that turned me off. If somebody had brought me one of our episodes in the past where we're talking about, you know, God creating mallards so that we can shoot them and cook them and eat them, dog, I would have been in a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. You just needed somebody to be like, dude, go hunt with me. Yeah. yeah and that, so that's why that's why we did it. And whole a whole untapped mission field. Right. Why do you think there's a misconception then about, um, and this is something I, I wanted to ask, why do you think there's such a misunderstanding or a misconception about hunting and hunters? And I mean, I mean, you see it all the time now, right? Uh, why do you feel like that is? And what, what's the beyond that, the connection that you see? Do you think it's because like it is a drawback to masculinity and who we were created to be? I mean, we were created as hunters and gatherers, right? Like, yeah. that's why I'm a bow we hunter. Were. He said, take your bow, arise, kill and eat, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so. Acts 27, three, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think number one, part of that misconception is not a misconception at all. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that will go to the hunting camp and do things, say things that they would never dare say at home. Mm. It's a place where they can go and it, it's it's a misconception of what masculinity is, mm. right? That's that's what I think the thing is. That's where the misconception is, is they're trying to live up to an example of masculinity that is false. Yeah. Um, we have an example in the person of Christ of what true biblical, that's what we should be focused on is biblical masculinity. Sure. Um, but I think the misconception is not that it's not that far off. I mean, I've been to some pretty wild and crazy hunting camps, right? Um, But then I think, too, that there's a notion of guys being gone a lot and maybe shirking their responsibilities at home Mm -hmm. to be that spiritual leader. Um, Now, I don't know what their life looks like the rest of the week, right? you know? Um, But if if there's a misconception... Um, of why, guys, I, frankly, I enjoy hunting because I think it's as close as what you can get to what the world was before the fall of man. Mm. I mean... The, the world waking up in the morning, birds well, singing. Same. Yeah, it's I mean, the same. Just, yeah. I mean, from Genesis 9-3, where it says, the fear and dread of you shall be on every animal, right? And as I once gave you the green plants, I give you everything now. Um, There was a time when animals weren't afraid of us, right? Um, The lion laid down with the lamb and, you know, but the, the way animals act, like that hasn't changed at all. Yeah. I mean, that is, and the, for me, 
the further and the deeper I get and the darker the swamps get and the, the more crazy the environment gets that I hunt in, I, I, I start to leave my old identity of, and I don't want to leave my identity as husband and father, but sure. that, that, that label, right? Yeah. Um, your salesperson, your husband and father, you cut the grass, you do the, all of those things I just leave further and further behind and I get closer and closer and closer to reconnecting with the creator and sustainer of all things yeah. in a world that he created that it's as close as we can get to what it was when he first created it and called it good. Absolutely. Man, I, I, I totally agree. Here at church, everybody knows the first week of September, elk season, and then November, I'm usually gone. This is usually my gone time. I'm gone for two weeks. usually take off two Sundays and I'm gone. And, uh, and I'll come back after November with six months of sermons, you know, or next all of next year plotted yeah. out. People are like, oh, my God, how did that happen? I'm like, the pause button, man. Yep. There's something about when you can press the pause button on life, the busyness, and spend time with God alone in his creation. For me, I, I mean, I, everything you're saying, I'm amening. I mean, because I live it. But for so many people, even if, and for some people, it may not be killing an animal. You know, some people are like, man, I don't want to kill. But being in nature, hiking, whatever it is, standing close to a waterfall to observe the things that God has created without a skyscraper or a self or cell phone service in the way does something to you. Like mm-hmm. it has an effect on the human for sure. It's, There's no doubt. It's that's why he that's why he did it. Exactly. Yeah. That's why he did it. Yeah. C.S. Lewis talks about uh, the great you know, he wrote the book, The Great Divorce and several other things, but he talks about the great distraction of technology and mm. where he saw one day, I mean, he did, and he had no concept of where we would be. Like I'd yeah. be able to, you know, there's no TikTok. Yeah. yeah there. There's TikTok. There's no FaceTime, you know, standing <laughs> right. in Oregon, having a conversation in right. Tifton, Georgia. There's no right. concept of that. But like he talked about how technology would breed and, and, and multiply itself into such a way that it would be the great distraction from man, that we would be, we, we would have to look through those things at God Right. And so for me, being outdoors and, and hunting and fishing, those things, that's an opportunity for me to push the pause button on all of those things and just connect with him. Mm-hmm. And so through Revelation Outdoor Ministry, your your aim is to meet guys where they are in the outdoors and to use the outdoors as a really as that that open door to connect with God in a safe environment. That's not churchy. It's not religious. It's de- not not denominationally driven. But it is just about Jesus and everything that He's created. It it is it. We try to tell the story of men pursuing waterfowl while God passionately pursues them. That's good. Um, you, you know, we do that. We're we're speaking at the at the wild game supper tonight. Um, we've got musters, which is a four day. If you know wild at heart, they do their big boot camp in, in Colorado. They gave us their materials and said, get a group of guys together and do your own wild at heart boot camp. We do that. Um, live speaking musters, uh, things like the, the, uh, project identity series that we have where it's, it's individual testimonies of guys that hunt. And what you think initially when you see it is, oh, that guy's a duck hunter like me. Sure. But when they start telling their story, no, there's a different thread that runs through us, and it's how we mm. find uh, it's it's how we define our identity. That's that's the difference. So there's there's several different, I guess, pillars that hold the ministry up that we we try to we try to fulfill. And then the the Bible study, you know, the video based Bible study. Somebody wants to lead a small group. They got four or five duck hunting buddies. Man, you can come plug one of our episodes in, and we give you a study guide to talk through scripture after. That's awesome. So if somebody, and, and 
Man, I've so thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. But if yeah. somebody wanted to, um, as we wrap up, as we think about closing this talk out, if someone wanted to connect with you uh, with Revelation Outdoor, if they wanted to lead that study, where mm-hmm. could they find that information? It's our website, revelationoutdoors.com. Everything, everything is there on the website. Awesome. There's yep. merch, there's hats, there's shirts, there's all kinds of stuff. Yep. I've been checking it out today, man. Yep. It's it's awesome. It's it's fantastic. Uh, Joey, listen, I appreciate your heart. I appreciate uh, your gifting. Uh, and when I say gifting, your your ability to share the gospel and to be yourself. So many people Thank think you. that they have to be something other than when they share the gospel. But your well, life... Well, it's a good thing we don't. I know, right? right. <laughs> but from the outside looking in, being able to watch your life in ministry is seeing a guy that, that, that loves to see men step up and be who they're called to be and lead their family in the gospel. And, uh, and listen, guys, if you want to know more about Joey and his ministry and just who he is and the opportunities that they provide, uh, you can check them out at revelationoutdoors.com. Uh, they're on Instagram at... Revelation Outdoors. Yeah, Revelation Outdoors. And we will link we will link his website and his Instagram in the link right under this podcast. So thanks so much for hanging out with us, Joey. Thank you for your time, man. Yeah, I brother. love you, dude. Uh, you. I appreciate I you this too, opportunity uh, to talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. And I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJ Malden Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.